Welcome to Insight, the insurance news podcast hosted by me, Andrew Silcox. In this week's edition of Insight, our marketing team wants us to say we put the new in insurance news as we report on whether we're finally coming out of the hard market. It's not so new, but still newsworthy with two days of African member forums and our journalists are hanging off every word. And lockdown fatigue surely isn't new, but IAG have found a new way to keep our spirits up. Hello everyone, on the panel today are publisher Terry McMullen, Managing Editor John Deeks and Deputy Editor Wendy Pugh. Morning, John. Morning. You love an Africa hearing, don't you? Yes, I sure do. Um, and so do our readers. We get a lot of views on those stories that we run about rulings. And uh, you had a good one recently about a couple who got caught out by not disclosing a driving licence suspension on renewal. So a good reminder that you, you, you have to be open and honest with your insurer not just when you take the policy out, but also at every renewal as well. Mm. Well, hello, Wendy. Morning. Do you have a favourite AFCA ruling? Well, uh, I'm just kind of struck by the number of ones that come up where people have faked a uh, kind of a car accident and they've claimed they've hit a kangaroo or they've um, tried to swerve and, and it didn't work. And, and then all this technical evidence will come in and say, well, no, you were driving at this amount of speed and you didn't turn the wheel. And I think, you know, it's interesting people when they're, trying to set up these things i think they underestimate what the technology is that will find them out Mm, very good and good morning terry good morning don't think you're getting away with answering my name questions i'm saving them for later terry (laughs) so on to this week's main stories afka last week held two days of member forums and we were listening in what did they have to say john yes as you say the australian financial complaints authority gave online presentations to members across two days and there are a number of things that will have caught the attention of insurers and brokers afca formed in 2018 and took over where foss left off and it provides a free dispute resolution service for consumers once they've exhausted their options with the financial services provider itself It's not free for brokers and insurers, however, and AFCA has been on the end of increasing concern about consumers taking complaints with little merit to AFCA to force a resolution in their favour. If the dispute goes all the way to a determination, the costs can be very high. So there is incentive for financial firms to settle just to avoid that outcome, even if they're confident of coming out on top. In last week's forums, AFCA said it has run a three-month pilot aimed at identifying complaints without merit at an earlier stage. In the pilot, the time taken to complete selected cases was halved and the costs cut by 75%. AFCA also says it's engaged PwC to carry out a review of its funding model and it's working on the way it identifies systemic issues. Remember that there's a Treasury review of AFCA ongoing with a report expected to be presented to the government within weeks. AFCA's message to members appears to be that it's proud of what it's achieved so far, but it is also aware there are lots of improvements still to make. Terry, this is the kind of question that all our listeners want to know. What do you think of AFCA? (laughs) I don't think anybody cares what I think of AFCA. However, look, I'm always... I'm always impressed by by where we are with AFCA and because of where we came from. I, I was around in the Insurance Council way back in the early 90s when the original Insurance Inquiries and Complaints was formed and that had a part-time staff of one. So since then has been through a lot of revisions, each time getting larger, more independent and more effective. 
And we should remember the insurance industry's move into a claims review system way back then was a groundbreaker in financial services. And the industry that funded it, even as it's been sometimes kicked by it, uh, has been incredibly supportive throughout. So, yes, I think AFCA, having sort of uh, been past the reins by the industry, is, is doing a very good job building on the experience that was gained via the, those pioneering organisations. Well, moving on, the latest Marsh Global Insurance Market Index is out and it shows a pleasing slowdown in commercial price rises for the second quarter running. Wendy, does this mean the hard market is over? Well, I, I don't think it does mean that quite. They are still going up over all the prices, um, although the, um, the pace has slowed after some record-breaking increases. Um, and it's also a, it's a mixed picture. So in the Pacific region, which is dominated by Australia, um, property had a lower level of increase compared to uh, previously. But uh, casualty had the highest year-over-year increase since um, uh, 2012. Um, and financial and professional lines pricing had a 16th straight quarter, I think it was, of double-digit increases. And within that, cyber is quite significant with higher pricing and reduced capacity. So um, it's, you know, um, there's, there's still some way to play out with it, I think. Do you think rate rises will continue to slow here in Australia, John? Yeah, well, Marsh definitely thinks that there's a trend here and it's probably going to carry on. But that doesn't mean that it'll be the same for everybody. It depends, as Wendy said, very much on the type of risk and probably the location of that risk as well. We know that cyber is a particular issue at the moment with premiums soaring thanks to a surge in ransomware attacks. And we also know that insurers are increasingly looking at property risks at a very granular level, meaning that any exposures to flood or bushfire will, will need to be, be paid for. So while the overall price rise trend is slowing, I think we can expect pockets of business to outpace the average, which means we're probably going to be hearing about affordability of insurance as a problem for, for some people for a while yet. Last week, we got the uh, chance to talk about the breaking news on the collapse of the Aon Willis Towers Watson merger. Now the dust has had time to settle. Are the ramifications any clearer, Wendy? Well, Aon released its quarterly earnings on Friday in the wake of that, and the CEO sort of put a bit of a positive uh, spin on it and stressed they were in a good position going ahead without the merger. But, I mean, there is that, you know, they have to pay a $1 billion break fee and other costs, and so um, it's no small thing to just um, drop such a big deal like that. But and originally that would have been completed in the first half of this year based on their timetable and it's been dragging on and um, it was, wouldn't have been close to getting finished until um, next year on the way things were looking. But um, Willis Towers Watson releases their earnings this week and they'll probably have more to say on it. Um, and the other question, of course, is that um, there were the assets that were going to be sold to um, Gallagher and that deal, as it was um, announced, you know, previously um, isn't going ahead uh, either. So I think we still have to wait and see how it, what the wash up will be. I don't know if this is actually a question for the pod, but why does Aon have to play a billion in break freeze when it's potentially outside of their control? Well, this is the one that made the mess. Uh... <laughs> It's it's the one that, that led the led the fight, and it's going to cost, I reckon, more than a billion dollars to put everything back together again. 
Well, Terry, on that, do you think someone else might try to acquire Willis Towers Watson? Oh, that's a good question. It's a prime asset sitting in a, in a very strategic place in the industry. But one thing we do know is it won't be Aon or Marsh. So therefore, you'd say it would have to be from a broker that's smaller than the target and a broker which also has a spare $30 billion or so. So I, I don't know. Um, it there is the the very vague possibility that you know it might be worth a lot more broken up than it is as it stands. But so look, I don't know. Um, it's it's certainly in a in a bit of a weird state, and I, I guess it will be for a while yet, as they as they all sort of work about their way back into their their original core markets. I don't know how you do that. But anyway, as we've all learned, never say never. Well, John, there's a new parametric player in Australia. Can you just tell us what parametric insurance is and why there's increasing interest in this type of cover? Yes. Uh, so parametric insurance can be used wherever there is a specific weather trigger that can be identified. So um, this is probably simplifying it a little bit, but essentially it works by paying out an agreed sum in the event of that trigger being reached. So if, for example, you could set up a you could set up a policy, for example, where a, a, if a Category Five cyclone comes within a certain distance of a business, then a payment would be received. Or if recorded rainfall dropped below a certain level for a certain period of time, then that that payment would be triggered. It's getting more popular because it's thought to be simpler and more flexible than traditional insurance. Because there's no need for a detailed assessment of the loss, and claims can be paid out very very quickly. Uh, there doesn't even need to be physical damage, but there does need to be a loss of some kind. And if your business miraculously survived a Category 5 cyclone, you can't just put the money in the bank, for example. So recently we've heard about Sydney underwriting agency Epsilon's increasing focus in this area, particularly in North Queensland. And now there's a new player in town as well, as you say, with Paris-based Descartes underwriting opening offices in Sydney and Singapore. Do you think this could take off, Terry? I, I guess parametric insurance is, is already working in places around the third world. And it's a very effective way to work with climate risk in particular at a, at a time when the market's very risk averse. Parametrics are attractive because it's not complex and it allows money to reach claimants much faster, which particularly in the third world context, but, but even in the context of places like North Queensland does have a lot of bearing. For victims of natural disasters, speedier payment can have a significant impact. And, and a UK government study found that payments from a parametric policy can be three and a half times as effective as delayed payments from aid in the third world. So uh, I, I think that, that, yes, there is potential for it to have a place, particularly where we are seeing sort of extreme weather happening. Really, the, the way parametrics works does, does have a, a fascinating potential for a place like Northern Australia in particular. And finally, one insurance employee grabbed our attention with an amusing online music video about lockdown. Was this really our most popular story of the week, John? Uh, yes, it was by some distance. And, and obviously in the same week that we had breaking news on, on the collapse of a massive merger deal. But IAG's Fran Porter put together a, a catchy creative video that uh, really seemed to capture the mood as insurance industry staff continue to work from home as lockdowns 
if Sydney and beyond continue to roll on, we don't know how long for. Um, so yeah, it, it was well worth a watch. If you haven't watched it already, then go onto our website. You can you can watch the video there. It's been watched by over 24,000 people and um, all the comments and responses have been fantastic. Well, this video spun out of an IAG talent contest. Should insurers encourage more of this kind of thing to help start through the lockdown, Terry? Hey, absolutely. We have some incredibly talented people in this industry, Andrew. We should be forming online jazz bands, choirs, book clubs, all sorts of things. Incidentally, stories like this that spread smiles are always popular with our readers. So, people, let us know what you're up to. Everyone needs a bit of entertainment and joy in these trying times. Oh, and on top of that, people, let's ask, Terry, what would you bring to the Insurance News Talent Show? Poetry. <laughs> and on that note, that brings us to the end of this week's Insight Podcast by Insurance News. Thank you once again to our panel. Terry the Poet McMullen, John Deeks and Wendy Pugh. Enjoy your week and thank you all for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at editor at insurancenews.com.au. We value your input. You can read all these stories and many others at your leisure at insurancenews.com.au. You can subscribe to the Insight Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Acast and all your favourite podcast platforms now. We look forward to catching up again next week.